Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist, artist, and writer. Today on the podcast, nutrition director and co-founder of Opal, Julie Church, will be joining us to talk about weight. So Julie, this this conversation about weight, I think for, for some listeners, they wouldn't assume that this is more taboo for us to talk about than kind of the rest of the world because everybody's talking about weight all the time. But you bring a different energy to it. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think within the work that we do within the eating disorder field, we recognize the sensitivity that the discussions around weight bring. And I think so much of the weight conversations in culture are in the diet world. And so most of that is the consumerist trying to sell something to us, like a lot of the the hopefulness that comes around weight and dieting and what is going to happen when, dot, dot, dot. And I think the real stories about what's going on for people in their hearts and their minds, their own identity, in the mirror, in their private world around weight is what I think we know more intimately mm-hmm. uh, because people have come to a really dark place in developing an eating disorder we have more of a respect and hold it with more care than we see the diet industry doing. There's also like an emotional attachment to weight. It's a topic that comes with grief. It comes with hope, like you said, and it also comes with stigma too. And so as we discuss it, we're not going to be talking about any numbers or anything, Mm -hmm. but just sort of talking more theory Mm -hmm. around how to understand weight and how to understand changes in weight and what that can do to the body, what the body wants to do with our weight, et cetera. So can you start us off by explaining what set point theory is? Sure. The set point theory kind of overview of that would just be that there are several determinants of the body weight. These main determinants are genetics, disease, drugs, and environment. So those four things are some of the main determinants that impact body weight. And weight is tightly regulated by the body. So there are hormonal mechanisms and organs involved in in what is trying to help the body stay at a stable place. And the body really resists weight change. It wants there to be homeostasis, and it does everything it can to drive homeostasis and to maintain a weight that is what the body has intended to be. And so the set point theory believes that, believes that there is a a homeostasis, a, a stable place that the body is always drawn back to. And so when somebody is listening to their body and they're honoring their body's cues of hunger fullness and movement and care for itself, then without tons of effort, what is the weight that somebody's body lands at? I think even just hearing that people have a set point goes so counter to what American culture tells us about what our bodies should be doing. I remember when I was first at Opal, understanding the science behind this for the first time, it just dawned on me like, oh, yeah, of course, genetics. (laughs) Like your body would look a certain way based off of your genetics. That's normal. It's not like your body should look a particular way based off of what someone else says is thin enough 
or whatever the perfect mm-hmm. size and shape is. Or that anyone could choose to look a certain way. Yeah, you should I, be able to yeah. control that. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest myth that's out there that you can look at, I don't know, look at a body type that you want and you want to be that, then you could eat a certain way, exercise a certain way, and change and manipulate and fix your body. You know, that body is a project. Mm-hmm. And the subpoint theory really has more of an open-handed approach, right? Like just this, okay, like what is my body to be and can I allow for it to be what it's going to be as I care for myself? And that is the key point here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what does it mean for you to care for yourself without controlling weight? Well, I want to come back to the determinants of body weight that I've named in terms oh, yeah. of the subpoint theory because genetics and disease and drugs and environment, all of those things impact. So genetics is something that we don't have any control over. Disease is something that I would say we have very little control over. I think a lot of people want to do a lot of things to prevent disease, but the reality is that disease still does happen. So then what does it look like to care for yourself in the midst of that? The drugs is talking about medicine and Many medicines will have as a side effect, right, is weight change or appetite change and such. So those things can also impact the body weight. And I know that in the field of mental health, sometimes people, especially when it intersects with the eating disorder world, people have a big struggle with, should I take this antidepressant if it might impact my weight? If that in and of itself, my body image and the way that I might think about my body would be impacted if I gain weight, but then I won't be depressed at the biochemical level. What should I do, right? So there's the impact of medicine in the, in the conversation around weight and impacting set point. And then environment, there's so many environmental factors that we can think about at the elemental level environmentally and then transportation and safety and family and so – When you ask, what does it look like to care for yourself? I think recognize that in the midst of what life will bring us, then one will take care of ourselves in the ways that we know is best in that moment. And sometimes that might mean taking a medicine that's been recommended to us that's going to cause weight gain or impact appetite, right? That means that that might impact what the scale might say. I like that you put it as that, like what the scale might say, because so often the idea of a number is associated with health. And yeah. so it's just a number rather than the like the example of someone taking an antidepressant. I would assume that they actually become healthier in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Exactly. Um, once they get onto that antidepressant, rather than having to actually weigh the, okay, I'm healthy in these ways, but I gained this amount mm-hmm. of weight. And so kind of cancels itself out because I'm now not as healthy because I gained weight. That would not be our assumption. Right. Exactly. From our health at every size basis and the way that health at every size looks at health, we're saying – No, that number on the scale is not going to be the proxy for one's health. So tell us a bit about how dieting impacts this set point. I guess to state it is just that diets don't work. So the reality is that somebody might do a short-term intervention of some sort and be at one weight and then maybe lose weight in a dieting process and in the long run, over the course of the next one to five years, would regain that weight and usually more. And one of the things to recognize is that when we are messing with what is naturally happening in the hormonal processes of trying to regulate our body, in that the body gets stressed. 
is the simplest way that I like to think about it. It's just the body is stressed. The body doesn't understand all of why you are, as an individual, restricting your food. And right now, evolutionarily, the body still thinks that it might be in a starved state and might not have access to adequate fuel and food. And so in that time, it's then acting as if it's in this famine or starved state. And hormonally, it's going to do different things in that place. So then the body is going to bounce back and respond when there is food accessible, when the diet is over, when somebody is not following all the rigid rules and such, the body is going to try to get it back into a stable place. And you know, usually what a lot of weight science is showing is that the body then is going to move it back up to where it was when you started, somebody started the diet and maybe even put on a little bit more because, wow, that famine and that starvation might come again. So I need to save up a little bit just to save my life for survival. So the actual impact of weight loss can then be weight gain for some people? Right. That is one of the largest side effects, I guess people would say. Like it's one of the most predicted things that can happen if somebody is on weight loss diet or is restricting heavily even in an eating disorder that leads to weight loss is that that weight loss is not going to be maintained. There is going to be likely a time where one is going to start to fuel themselves according to what the body needs, listen to that, and that's when the set point theory, kind of that set point kind of kicks in. The body wants to get back into a place where it's naturally supposed to be. I really prefer to have this conversation one-on-one with people and to be able to hear their timeline of their story. So I have some awkwardness in talking about this on a podcast <laughs> uh, because I can't look into people's eyes and sort of move the conversation to where they might be feeling. So I have sensitivity to that in this context, because as I think about the place where I usually encounter the most emotion, it can be anger, it can be grief, it can be disbelief, frustration, sort of pushback, is going to be saying that, okay, if the body finds most safety in the set point weight, and that maybe is at a weight that a particular individual thinks is higher than they want to be, higher than they quote unquote should be, higher than what the societal value of beauty is, whatever it might be. What set point theory says is like where they're at right then is probably the weight that their body wants to maintain. And so it's it comes to that place of self-acceptance or some grief and mourning about not being able to see all the hope out there that the diet industry gives as real hope. And they need to start to try to not be their target audience anymore, you know, like not listen to the ads, not read the books, not have the have the pull anymore. And that's a big change for a lot of people. And everybody's story will be so different Mm -hmm. within all of that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about how that grief process or being able to actually understand that, oh, okay, if I keep doing this, I'm either harming myself or maybe I'm in a body that is a size that is scary to me. There's fear on either side. But I think for a lot of people too, there might actually be some relief of of being mm-hmm. able to understand, oh, my body wants to stay safe. Like, okay, well then it's going to be at this weight. Okay, then how do I take care of myself there mm-hmm. rather than pathologize the size of my body? There's something relieving to me too to just know like, oh yeah, genetics and like you said, the environmental factors, that it's not all up to me to control. 
I think that there's something deeply relieving about that. Maybe coming from a healthier, more accepting place, there are still hard things about it. But it also offers that you can kind of get off the hook finally. Like you're not in charge of making yourself smaller. You don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think some of that pressure also comes from relationship, right? Yeah. Uh, From others that might think, well, you're just letting yourself go if you're not somebody that's dieting and you happen to be in a larger size body. But if there was a understanding of the science, understanding of what is actually healthy coming from family and from medical practitioners, I do think that there could be a true like 360 degree relief. I think the challenge is that a lot of this work right now when when folks are trying to have this approach to weight and have more of a health at every size approach to weight and health is that it is such a paradigm shift and it is so countercultural that, that there's a lot of feeling very alone and having to educate those close to them and have to ask hard questions and push back on caregivers. And that's where my frustration, I guess, lies with it because you're right. I think the internal individual experience can be one of relief and acceptance and and love, self-compassion. But when in interaction with others, it takes a lot to keep educating people. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're choosing something that is about self-acceptance and maybe choosing something to finally take care of yourself and people are assuming that you've done something to actually let yourself go or, you know, stop taking care of yourself, the stigma associated with that or the blame in that. So one thing I would like to name is that set point can change over time. So somebody might be born and in their adolescence and young adulthood kind of have an experience of their body gravitating towards one particular weight. And that was what they sort of identified as their set point weight, let's say. And then let's say life happens. So I'm just saying life happens because who knows, right? There's so many different things that can impact weight. And I'm not going to list them all. I guess we've named some of them. But just envision that. Life happens. And then somebody um, has is finding themselves 10, 20, 30, 40 years later in a larger size body than where their body was gravitating back and forth kind of to. And if they were in a place of saying, I, I want to get back to where my body was because that was when I was free of, you know, disease or free of my eating disorder or free of stress or they then want to pursue health and they see in a traditional standpoint, oh, therefore I'm going to lose weight to be healthy. What we see in weight science currently is that that body has gone through years and years of all these things, has had life, life has happened. And therefore, this set point weight has changed. And so to look back and say, that is healthy and for me to be healthy now, I need to look like that or have that number on the scale is not the right interpretation of what set point theory is saying. I guess I just want to name that. And I would say that also when I interact with folks that are seeking recovery from an eating disorder and an eating disorder has been part of what has led their body to change over time. That's another facing of a lot of grief and frustration that, whoa, I was trying to fix and control my weight with my eating disorder, but here now I've landed in a higher weight than I was trying to. (laughs) All of this didn't work out the way that I intended, quote unquote, and 
now can't I still <laughs> just lose some weight? I, I get it. I'll, I'll, I'll approach life differently. I'll eat differently. I'll take care of myself differently. Can I just lose the weight and then take care of myself? <laughs> and that's where I guess I would say is that in the process of taking care of oneself, we see that weight maintenance is still what the body really craves. So if one is at a higher weight body, likely there's maintenance or stability close to that body weight that is still going to be what is providing health and stability and the best for the body. That is often pretty hard for people to take in and recognize that their efforts for health won't lead to weight loss or won't have their body click back into their original sort of naturally given set point weight. It's a confusing thing to unpair weight and health. And it's interesting over and over again that when we talk about anything related to nutrition, that we sort of get back to this just key tenet of health at every size that you can't really talk about anything (laughs) nutrition related without that being the underlying belief and understanding that health comes at every size Mm -hmm. and is not determined by size. Mm -hmm. And that grief process is a part of that. And I guess that, I mean, why is there grief in that? There's weight stigma and there's bias and there's discrimination. And I just like, I guess right now I feel I want to name that because I wish that wasn't so, (laughs) right? If we didn't have that around us and then we haven't been socialized that way, we would just allow for all of us that are in so many different size bodies to be able to claim health and claim life. Our assumptions around what is healthy and what sized bodies are healthy, I think is also sort of a racist paradigm. We're assuming a particular set of genetics is ideal, Mm -hmm. is inherently racist, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? So I think for some people, their genetics will lead them to a sized body that is not, I think in a mainstream culture, mainstream white culture, the preferred, ideal, accepted body. And that in and of itself seems like this unfair doubling up of Mm -hmm. stigma, both around race and size. Mm -hmm. For women, another category would be aging. There's so much discrediting of the older woman and this insistence that we stay young. And in that, it's staying taut and staying smaller, all these things that don't really allow much change to happen, (laughs) Um, both in skin and size and just none of it is really included in our mainstream way of thinking about how the body is mm-hmm. allowed to be. Mm-hmm. I think despite despite all of the wonderful points that we're bringing to the table, I think that some people would still wonder, but isn't there ever a time that it could be good to control weight? Or what about just, you know, this wedding that's coming up and I really want to lose some weight to fit in that dress or tone my arms because they'll be exposed or it's bathing suit season. So what about just like kind of shaping my body a little bit more or, you know, whatever. What do you think about that? (laughs) My simple answer uh, is just that those efforts will not come without a cost. So if it means that you're underfeeding yourself, then there will be a time where you're feeling out of control with food. Or if it means that you're putting more time and energy at the gym, then maybe your relationships will feel impacted. Even the interplay of like fueling yourself, if you're exercising more, then will you actually fuel yourself enough? And will you be able to take care of yourself in the midst of it? And I would say that likely it's going to come with a cost. 
And ultimately, the long-term story of the body, if we put our body under stress of some sort of restriction or excessive exercise or under fueling, like it, that's not comforting to the body. It just adds stress to it. So all of those things come with impact. And mentally and emotionally, the impact of all of that, I think that sure, people can do it, but it definitely is stating what is most value. And it's so interesting because I do think that as humans, we think that we can do it all. Maybe it's the sort of the the mystery or the mystique of multitasking. So I can be totally present and totally ready emotionally for, you know, my family wedding that I'm going to, and I'm going to prepare in underfeeding myself and focusing a lot of my energies not on social support, but at the gym for the month ahead of time of it. That's sort of like this weird multitasking thing that's like, I, I don't know, we can't do, we can't do that, <laughs> right? Like we need to be socially supported and well-fueled and give our brain and all of ourselves the things that they need so that we can go in well-equipped. That resonates personally with me a lot. I think that when I was younger and struggling with disordered eating, I absolutely did that before I'd see family in particular. And I felt like whatever work that I'd put into my body was a way to make me feel really safe when I would get into the next situation. And it did on some level make me feel more comfortable because I sort of had this shield of, well, my body looks better. I could get some compliments about that, make me feel a little more loved. But at the end of the day, I wasn't ever taking care of any of the emotional stuff there to be able to then go into the next situation and feel genuinely more comfortable or genuinely more taken care of by myself Mm -hmm. or connected. I mean, anything else that would actually create sustainable change in my relationships or in my psychology, it was just about finding safety in my body somehow, Mm -hmm. which, you know, is temporary safety in your body too because then – I would, my weight was fluctuating all the time. So when it was at a higher weight, then I didn't feel safe anymore. And I would be panicked and dreading whatever next scenario I had to be a part of. Because you were seeing weight as the avenue for all of that. Right. 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 So yeah, you had that limited vision. And I I think when you ask the question, I go broad first and then I think of, okay, so what about the actor that in, you know, that changes their weight for this or that, or the person that is trying to make their way in a weight-biased environment like theater or something like that. I think of athletes that would be um, in weight-class sports, these other environments where there might be pressure around it, I guess. That's just the main thing that I would say is I just don't think that it comes without a cost. So I understand that there are still professions or environments where it's going to be asked of somebody. And then I just think that the person has to understand if am I – willing to take these risks and affect my body at the biochemical and physiological level and give it this experience of stress in the midst of wanting to pursue what I want to pursue in my life. And I I think from my vantage point, I have concern around it. Of course I have concern. And everybody needs to choose the life that they want to choose. When I first became introduced to this set point theory and started understanding more of the science around weight, I started feeling a little bit touchy around any kind of weight changes that I was seeing in other people. To be honest, it was like, oh, no, okay, what does it mean that this person's body has changed? Are they doing okay? There was a lot of concern all of a sudden about like how everybody was doing around their weight. 
and it made me a bit fearful of any kind of weight loss, I think particularly being around people with eating disorders. But it made me a little bit skeptical, to be honest, just sort of assuming that any weight loss was a sign of unhealth mm-hmm. or lack of health. Mm-hmm. Is that an assumption that is fair? So I think that's often something that can be a sort of a side effect of thinking about <laughs> health this way. But Really, a weight-neutral or weight-inclusive approach would just allow for weight to not have as much of the power or the intrigue. And so I think in that way, it's not it's not anti-weight loss. We just hold a lot of mystery and ambiguity about what one's body will do when one is pursuing health. And so for some bodies, uh, some weight loss could occur as they pursue health. And for others, it may be maintenance. And others, it may be weight gain. And this is sort of in the range of all sort of quote unquote normal. Yeah. And as a practitioner that is maybe supporting somebody through their pursuit of health from a health at every size perspective, we are, you know, attentive to those changes, but we are not going to make all the assumptions that others would from more of a traditional standpoint. And so, no, it's not, you know, you might see that um, in other people as maybe their body is changing. But I would say that the most important question is just, how are you? What's going on, right? And it's not, uh, what specifically do I need to know because your weight is changing? Because it may not always be a side effect of something that's healthy or a side effect of something unhealthy (laughs) Um, because you just never really know. In kind of asking your friend, well, how are you? What's going on? It's really just allowing for the belief that you want to know what's going on in their life that could be the intent or the motivation for change in their body weight if there is one, right? doesn't necessarily mean that there is. Um, So body weight doesn't have to be – the change in body weight does not need to necessarily signal that there's something bad going on or that that's evil. Um, So – think it's important to just know the people in our lives, know ourselves better, and know that if our body's changing, it might be as a side effect to some good things or some bad things. Who knows? Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to Jackstraw Cultural Center for sound engineering, to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music, and to Hans Anderson for editing. If you or someone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, feel free to check out our website at opalfoodandbody.com to find resources and just a little bit more information about our programming if you feel like you may need it. Otherwise, keep up with Opal and the Appetite on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to you next time.